at various times we all find prayer hard. And that's why it's good that we're all together thinking about what the essentials of prayer are. So what I want us to do, just for the next minute or so, is just speak to the people on our rows. They're they're safe, I'm sure. Um, And I want you to ask yourself this question. We've got um, on uh, on the sheets here, a question at the top. Why do you think it is hard to pray sometimes? Maybe these are things that are true for you or or could be true for for anyone. Why do you think it could be hard to pray sometimes? I'll give you one minute. Great. Okay, so, so already, and we've been thinking about this just for a, a minute, there are a lot of reasons why, why people find it hard to pray. And while, while it, it's funny, isn't it? The actual act of praying itself is very straightforward. I mean, to say, dear God, hear my prayer, amen. It's, it's physically something very easy to do. But as we've seen, there's all sorts of reasons that we kind of stifle our prayers or, or mean that we find it difficult to pray. Most people do at some point or another. Maybe you're in one of those seasons at the moment where, due to to one of these reasons, you find it difficult to pray. Well, over the next six weeks on this course, uh, and in our small groups when we're not meeting all together, we'll be thinking about actually how we can support one another on this journey as we learn to pray and to put it into practice. And today we're going to be looking specifically at at the prayer essentials. I had the fun job of trying to think, what are those things that are absolutely essential to prayer? Whether you've been praying all your life, or maybe you've only just started, or you've stopped praying for a long time and you've just come back to it. I want us to all think about these important things when we pray. What do I need to know and what do I need to do? This list is is by no means perfect that you see on this this sheet, but I think it covers pretty much of what the essentials of prayer are. So let me start off. Someone actually said, there we go, to who do we pray? So the first one is who we pray to. Now, why is it important that we know who we pray to? Well, I think it's important because it shapes the way that we pray. It shapes the way that we pray. If you think, for example, you're praying to a mean and distant God, that's going to shape your your prayers in a certain way. You may be quite fearful of asking him for anything. But on the other hand, if you think you're praying to a God just full of sympathy and love, but actually has no power to do anything, then your prayers are going to be very different as well. They're they're not going to be very courageous. You're not going to be asking God to do things because you're not sure that he can. That's why it's important to think about who we pray to as Christians. 
And, and sorry to, to hit you over the head with, with doctrine and theology, but it's the Trinity. It's the Trinity. We pray to a God who is Trinity, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So firstly on the sheet we see, we pray, and this is what we do. First we pray, most of the time, most of the time we pray to our Father. Our Father who is loving and wise. Matthew chapter 7, uh, Jesus says this about his Father. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? This is what, we, this is what it means when we pray. We do so as children of our Heavenly Father. We see, as in this passage, that our Father gives his children what they need. And he does so in a much greater way than any earthly Father. We pray to our Father. Secondly, we pray in Jesus' name. In John 14, Jesus says, You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, it's important to, to say, when we pray in Jesus' name, that's not a magic formula. It's not something we tack on at the end of our prayers. Now it's definitely going to be heard. I've said, in Jesus' name. It's like, the, it's like the, the special key that unlocks the door, just by saying those words. It's not a magic formula, but rather what it is, it's a confidence that our prayers will be heard. Because we're praying with the authority of Jesus. We're praying with the authority of the Son of God. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. We know our Father will hear us because we're praying with the authority of his Son. And that shapes our prayers when we pray in Jesus' name. Well, lastly, then, we do it in reliance on the Holy Spirit. Paul, writing in Romans 8, says this, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. This means that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us to pray when we don't know what to pray. And I think one of these, yeah, the second point there is what to say. Paul reminds us in Romans that actually the Holy Spirit helps us, even if we're not sure, even if they are basically groans in God's direction. In Jesus' name, then actually the Holy Spirit will take those and present them to our Father in heaven. As if, as if Jesus had prayed those prayers himself. And this releases the pressure we feel. We talked as well about eloquency. This re releases the pressure we feel to have to say perfect prayers. Or prayers that sound really rich and poetic and beautiful and amazing. Because the Spirit, in, the Spirit helps us in our prayers. So that is who we pray to. That is, that is who we pray to there. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name in reliance on the Holy Spirit. And it's important that we remember that, who we pray to. Well, secondly then, the next point, what is prayer? What is prayer? Now I challenge you to come up with a, 
a conclusion to what prayer is. It's not actually that straightforward. We bring a lot lot of baggage into that. But I think, put simply, prayer is communication with God. That's what it is. But thinking about actually what to say, again, there's the second point mentioned there. What do we what do we pray when we pray? Well, it isn't just asking for things. It took me quite quite a long time actually in, in my Christian walk to realise that prayer isn't just asking God for things. I think we often fall into that trap. And I know during the day if something happens, the prayers I'm going to be we talk about arrow prayers, don't we? Sending one up quickly. The kind of prayers I'm going to be praying are more often than not going to be those kind of asking God to, to help me or to, to overcome something, asking God for things. But actually prayer is a lot broader than that. It includes a lot more. Now I've put, I've put a, a little thing down on here called Acts. I'm sure many of you will be familiar with this. But I, I'm just going to talk briefly about that and then we're gonna, I'll give you an example and then we'll have a practical go at, at doing this and, and see how that works. So this is Acts prayer. So firstly, this is, this is a way of shaping our prayers so we're not just praying for things. In fact, it's really good because it fights the urge and puts the praying for things right at the end. So you have to do all the other stuff first, which is a good discipline. So firstly, it's adoration. Adoration, which is basically praising God for who he is. Now this could be after you've read a Bible passage and you're reading something particular and you just want to praise God for who he is. That's that's a good way of starting prayer. And that's why often our services in church on a Sunday will start with a song or a hymn of praise. It's a good way to start. Secondly then, it's confession. Now it's confession, um, how we have sinned, it could be specific, or actually it's just how we've failed to live for God. We've failed to love him and love others with all of our hearts. Thirdly then, prayer is thanksgiving. It is giving thanks for his grace and his mercy to forgive and to bless us. This could be general thanksgiving or it could be thanksgiving applied to the thing you've just confessed. That through Jesus all things can be forgiven. And last of all, finally we get to asking God for things or supplications is the, is the fancy word the Bible sometimes uses. It's just asking for God's help both for transformation in us and in the world. So it's asking God for things. So I'll just do an example with God's holiness. I was thinking about God's holiness yesterday in John 6. And uh, for example, God's holiness. So a prayer of adoration could be, I praise you God that you are a holy God. There we are, adoration. Confession could be, Lord I confess to you how often I neglect to treat you as holy. I confess that to you. Then thanksgiving, Lord I thank you that through Jesus you forgive me and choose to make me holy as well. That's the thanksgiving. And then last of all you ask for something, you say, dear Lord I ask for your strength and strength as a church to be a church that values holiness in you and in ourselves. So we're going to do a little practical one now on that using this, this Acts formula. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out a verse from the Bible. It's John 3.16, so it should be very well known to us. And I'm going to give you a minute to silently pray. There's no need to, to pray out loud. In fact, don't. Pray silently. I'm going to give you a minute, and I will say, 
let's offer up a prayer of adoration. And then after a minute, I'll go on to the next bit. So we will have four minutes and a minute on each one, praying out of that verse. And if you don't know what to pray, just, just think about the verse itself. And things from that you could praise God about, or say sorry about, or say thank you, or ask for help with. So, John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let me read that again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's spend one minute in a prayer of adoration silently. now move to confession for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life Now we offer up a prayer of thanksgiving for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Lastly, supplication or request maybe for us or for someone else. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life.
draw that prayer to a close. Well, I wonder how, how you found that. For, for some of us, that would have been uh, quite straightforward and, and quite in line with maybe what we do. For some of us, though, that would have been a real challenge. Uh, so, so well done on, on doing that. It is the kind of thing that the more you use it, the easier it gets as an approach to prayer that, that takes us out of that, that natural kind of inclination of just asking God for things. Actually, to be spending time praising him and confessing our sins and saying thank you to him first. So that's prayer as, as communication with God. It's not just asking for things. We open up our, our booklet, you'll see the next point, which is when. Now these two ones are, are slightly shorter, but when can we pray? Well, the Bible says that we can pray at all times. At all times. It doesn't just have to be in the morning or in the evening or at certain times or even on the Sunday morning. We can pray at all times. Um, people often wonder what God's will is for their life, how they should spend their time on earth. Well, in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul writes this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will that we should be praying continually. And this isn't just meaning around the clock, non-stop for 24 hours, not speaking to anyone else, I'm constantly praying all the time. But actually what it's saying is it's a resolve. It's a resolve to keep on praying. That consistency in our Christian life. That we don't stop praying, but that we keep on going. And it obviously wasn't straightforward, even for the, the Thessalonians, who are, in other ways, a pretty model church. Paul had to remind them to pray continually, because it doesn't come naturally. It's a habit that we can, we can build. And I've, I've put two questions down on, on the sheet there, maybe to, to reflect on, uh, which is to think about when we find it easier and when we find it harder to pray. So firstly, when do we find it easier to pray? Maybe it's, maybe it's early in the morning or, or, or late at night. Um, I've kind of shifted from being a morning person to being an evening person now. In terms of my prayers, I spend a lot more time praying in the evening than I can in the morning. I find it quite, quite hard, particularly until the children have gone out on the way to school. Um, but be, being aware of those things, actually, I think one of them is... Uh, no, I don't think we've got when actually but I think that could be, that could be a, a problem maybe if we think that we have to pray first thing in the morning but actually that doesn't quite work with how we're wired then actually trying other times of the day we don't just have to pray when other people pray but also to think about when it might be harder to pray as well what, uh, and think about why might that be I'm just going to leave those questions there maybe have a think about in your own time later we won't come on to those too much now. But I think the reason why this is an essential part of Christian prayer is because it's to do with the whole of our Christian life. Paul goes as strongly as saying this is God's will for us, that we pray continually. That it's just a habit that we, we do. We, we encounter something, we meet someone, we pray about it. Something comes to us and maybe a natural inclination is just to worry about it. Actually we shift that worry and we turn it into prayer, then all the time 
we are thinking, how can I be cultivating this, this habit of prayer in my life? Um, Archbishop William Temple, uh, during the Second World War, uh, wrote this, that religion, religion is what you do with your solitude. Religion is what you do with your solitude. What he's saying is that it's the thing that you go to when you don't have anything else to do. It's the first thing your mind begins to wander to when you don't have to be doing anything. This, this is our motivation. And I know for, know for myself that, that very rarely is that immediately to prayer. Very rarely. But that does indicate something about our hearts and actually what we need to be praying about. That we would be those people that when our minds are empty, we focus on prayer. We focus on praying to our Father. Now, this is saying that not only can we pray to God at all times, but that there should be an inner longing for prayer. So, moving on to where. We've done who, what, when, now where. Where can we pray? Well, again, this may be fairly straightforward, but we can pray anywhere. It doesn't have to be in church. We can pray at the bus stop. We can pray at home. It doesn't have to be at church. And actually... Jesus is actually specific. In Matthew 6, he does actually suggest somewhere where it is good to pray. And he's talking about prayer on, it, on your own. And this is what he says in Matthew 6 on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Pray to your Father who is unseen. Now why is Jesus teaching his disciples and his followers to do this? But he's teaching them this because it's important that no one else will see. This means that if there isn't anyone looking at us, are we still going to choose to pray? Or is it just something that we know, actually, we want to pray to, to in some way to be seen? We know it's good to turn up to the prayer meetings. We know it's, it's good to be praying in church. But do we use that same attitude, an idea of it's good to pray everywhere, when we're on our own. Again, it goes back to that idea of religion is what you do with your solitude. If you're on your own and no one can see, and it's interesting, Jesus, the word he uses for a room is basically almost like a a downstairs room with no window. So it's impossible for anyone to see and go, oh yes, I've noticed uh, Tim praying away hard every every morning at five Um, o'clock. That can't happen because there's no one else to see you pray except for your Father. Do we actually practice praying on our own? Maybe that's something we can take away from this and practice this week, actually. I don't spend much time praying on my own. I'm going to let that challenge me. No one will force us. No one, not even the vicar, will come round to your house and knock on the door and say, are you praying on your own enough? It's down to you. It's down to you and God to practice that. So that is where, anywhere, on our own, but also together. It is important that we have this, this balance in our prayer life between prayer on our own, wherever we are, and prayer together, wherever we are. Jesus says again in, in Matthew, he says, Again, I t- truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. 
For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Now what does Jesus say, two or three? He's already said, go and pray on your own. So surely there's a contradiction here. Well, I don't think so. I think he's talking, actually, there's a need for both. That prayer isn't just about what you do in groups, and it isn't just about what you do on your own. Sometimes we make that mistake to think it's one or the other, but Jesus is teaching that it's both. Prayer isn't just about being a a one-on-one activity, personal communication with God, but it's actually what we say is corporate. It's all together. Sometimes in a group of three, sometimes in a group of uh, a small group of ten or twelve or however many, sometimes as a whole church. We need those times both on our own and together. Jesus is saying, this is the healthy part of a praying relationship with your Father, both personal and corporate. And Jesus he makes it very clear here, he expects us to be praying together about things so that our Father will answer them. Well, that's where we can pray anywhere, on our own, and together. But why? Here's another question. Did this come up? Why? No. Not quite. So why should we pray? Again, this is an important question to think. We thought about who we pray to, what, we, what prayer is, what we pray about, when we can do it, where we can do it. But why? If we don't have a good enough reason for why, well, then no one's going to leave this, mor- this afternoon wanting to pray. Well, two reasons. I think there's lots the Bible gives, but two very simple reasons. One, first one my wife reminded me of. Actually, God answers prayer. There would be very little point in praying if God didn't answer prayer. But this is hard. As, as, as we've already said, there are issues here. We struggle, particularly with unanswered prayer. But it says in the Bible that God does answer prayer. The difficulty is, is how we often work that out. And often it's not on our own timing. But very simply, God does answer prayer. If, we, if he didn't, we couldn't do prayers of adoration and confession and thanksgiving because we couldn't ask for him. We couldn't ask him to do anything. It would just be one way with no expectation of God listening or doing anything about it. Uh, the very practical um, book, Uh, James in the Bible, as Adrian Plass said about it, it's a terrible book because it tells you to do stuff. Um, In James chapter 4, he writes, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. The implication here, what James is saying, is that if prayer couldn't achieve things, there would be no point in doing it. There really wouldn't. As we said, what it can be hard sometimes if it's, we feel or it seems clear that God doesn't always choose to answer prayers how we would like them. Even if it seems really obvious, Lord, it's really clear how I would like this prayer answered and it seems like a really good idea. And particularly as well in the time frame that we would like that answer to prayer. There's, there's more I could say on that, but I don't want to use sort of platitudes. But God answers prayer, but we do struggle with our unanswered prayer as well. Secondly, then, it's a relationship. Psalm 145 puts it like this. 
The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Let me just read that, that first line again. The Lord is near to all who call on him. There's an exclusivity about a relationship with God. An exclusivity in the sense that it's only those who love him who can expect to hear him, to hear, sorry, let me start that sentence again. There's an exclusivity about a relationship with God that we only experience in prayer. So what, what that means is that because we've got that exclusive relationship with God, that exclusive relationship, that actually prayer is the way that we, we experience that often. Whether that's pouring out our hearts to God over something that we're finding hard, or giving thanks to Him, that's, that's really where we see the intimacy in our relationship. And I've really been challenged in the last month or so, actually, to think again about intimacy with my Father in my own prayer life. And it's been really exciting. As the psalmist writes, the Lord is near to all who call on him. Prayer is about a relationship. It's not just about God answering prayer or telling him things. It's also about a relationship. In the same way that people communicate well in a relationship. Well, why should we pray then? Well, two simple answers. Well, because prayer is answered and it's a relationship. Last of all then, how? How do we pray? Well, firstly, I want to say that there are some things that you don't have to do. I hope this comes as a relief to some people. Kind of picked up on it here. Things you don't have to do in prayer. And actually some of them are a good idea just not to do. The first is you don't have to do long technical prayers. Long technical prayers trying to think of really uh, intricate wording and making it sound really poetic and, and saying everything time and time again. So you don't need to do that. Prayer can be really simple. I was sitting with someone yesterday who, who doesn't like praying out loud and I said, pray amen. Because amen is a prayer. If you don't agree with what I say, don't say amen. But if you do, and that's often what I'll say to children at assemblies, if you agree with what I say, Say Amen. That is prayer. That is prayer to the Father in Jesus' name and the power of the Holy Spirit. Whether you're saying Amen or whether you're speaking for half an hour in all sorts of colourful language. Short and simple is good. Secondly then, something you don't have to do, and I'd say you don't do, but I've fallen foul of this before, is have it on your tick list. Things to do today. Pray. Great. I've done that. I can Tick it off. I feel so good. I feel so self-righteous about praying today. That's not a good idea. Don't have it on a tick list as a, as a dry duty. Now, sometimes prayer is difficult. Sometimes it does feel dry. And um, how we feel, again, that comes up with that. We don't always feel like praying. But actually, we will probably all experience times like that. But it's not a dry duty. And if you're feeling that it is, if you're if you're struggling with how you feel when you come to prayer, remember these essentials, actually. 
If nothing else, remember these. Remember who you're praying to. Remember who you're praying to and who you are as a result. Who you are and who you're praying to. It doesn't need to be dry duty and just ticking something off a list. Well, instead of things you don't have to do, what about some things that you should do? I think there are two things. Again, there's probably more, but I don't want to complicate it. I want to keep it simple. Things that you should do. Well, the first one is, in prayer, come with faith. Come with faith. Faith is just another word for trust. Come with faith and trust. In Hebrews uh, 11, the writer writes this. says, anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It sounds really obvious, but actually if you don't believe in the God you are praying to, you're going to have a very hard time praying. It sounds sounds almost ridiculous, but it's true. And this is what the writer of the Hebrews is saying. If you don't believe in the God you're praying to, you'll have a hard time praying. And actually there'll be no guarantee that he will answer you. Now of course, God hears all things. But if you're not in that relationship with the Father, by the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't guarantee that God will answer you. What I do want to say is that what this faith means. Now Jesus talks about faith in lots of different ways. He talks about faith most famously as being like a mustard seed the smallest of of all seeds. This is what the kind of faith is required to be experiencing this prayer, to be coming to God in prayer with faith. Having faith even as small as a mustard seed. Believing that he's there. And that he'll hear you. You see, we need to come with faith and trust. And actually, it's a good idea to have some expectancy as well. And that's not always a hard thing, particularly if we're struggling with unanswered prayers. But actually it's good. And I think the Bible encourages us to come with expectancy when we pray. Expectancy that God hears and God answers. Secondly then, seek God's will. So we seek God's will when we pray. Now this is a bit, bit harder to think about, but actually I think this is another really vital thing. And it's tied in with humility. It's tied in with humility. You see, we don't go to pray to God thinking, God, I know how things should be. I really want you to sort it out so that it's in line with my plan. That's not what praying to God is about. We pray with humility, seeking God's will. And particularly when we don't know what to pray. Someone says, we don't know what to say or or how to pray. Then actually, it's a good idea just coming with humility. And even starting your prayer by saying that. Lord, I don't know what to pray about this thing. But I do know that your will is good. You see, to pray in line with God's will means not to pray in line with our own agendas. It's not my will be done, but your will be done. Just as Jesus prayed in the garden as he faced excruciating torment and this idea of facing the cross, cross and experiencing the wrath of the Father for all our sin he's even able to say not my will but yours be done again this isn't a magic formula this isn't a magic formula like in Jesus name 
like, well, just in case it doesn't happen, I'll say, not my will, you'll be done, and that will cover me in case it doesn't happen and I won't feel too bad. This isn't a magic formula. It certainly wasn't for Jesus. He was sweating tears of blood as he said this. This is an attitude. This is like, for example, uh, Ben and Sammy coming up to me while we're on holiday and saying, Daddy, can I have an ice cream if it's okay with you? It's, it's an attitude. It's not a, it's not a get-out clause in case I say not, but actually it's a trust. It's a trust and humility issue. If that's okay with you, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. So that is the, the six essentials that I've thought up for prayer. Who? To the Father, in the name of Jesus, in reliance on the Holy Spirit. It's what it's communication with God, which is more than just asking for things. And we remember our four thing acts. When, at all times, because this is God's will for us. Where, in all places, either alone or together. Why, because God answers us and it shapes our relationship. And how, not with fancy prayers or as a dry duty, but with faith and seeking God's will.